Hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and welcome to our latest podcast. So hi everybody, it's Tom from Cricket Coach 365 and uh, welcome to our latest podcast, but this with a, with a bit of an interesting twist because we have two of our early guests who were um, who came onto the podcast last year returning to tell us about their experiences of playing in the 100, albeit for different teams. So we welcome back, first of all, Sophie Luff, a.k.a. Luff, and Danny Gibson, a.k.a. Gibbo. Um, thank you very much for making the time, because I know you've got training on today, so it's great to, to see you again, and thanks for coming back. You, you look you look very serious there you two so um so let's let's just uh, first of all before we dive into stuff about the the hundred um so how's how's training going what are you involved with as far as uh, west western storm is concerned and you know winter training what what does that involve uh we started that last week and we're just in fitness at the moment like testing and getting all that done and then for me and luffy we're in three times a week so fit, fitness. When you say get that out of the way, I mean, um, is it two k runs? Is it um, you know what what do you have to do? What what uh, is your body being put through? Yeah, so we did a two k run last week. We've also ticked off yo yo and a lot of sprints, capacity work. Um, so yeah, we've done all done all that sort of stuff, and then yeah, hopefully starting some cricket uh, moving into next week. Um, so yeah, looking forward to being back getting some balls and yeah, getting stuck in with the girls. And where does the, the actual um, playing, you know, the indoor centre, where's that based for you? Uh, we're in Bristol on Mondays and Fridays and then Cardiff on a Tuesday at the moment. All right, so you've got two venues to, to travel between, but uh, I'm sure you just want to carry on doing the yo-yos though, won't you, you two? <laughs> yeah, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> does, does that stay part of your S&C st- um, programme over, over the course of the winter? Do you have to continue with that or is it just kind of... Um, ease ease off a little bit and more into the actual technical um, stuff. Yeah, so we'll, we tested over the last couple of weeks and we'll retest again in, in January. Um, but yeah, it's just, I guess, just to see where everyone's at. Everyone's had a good five, six weeks off um, doing all sorts of things and trying to chill out and get away from the game. So yeah, testing when we come back um, over the last couple of weeks and then yeah, um, look to sort of have a a big rock of conditioning sort of work over the next uh, couple of months uh, moving into the new year and, and then we'll retest again to see where we're at. And what about Covid and um, and all the, the regulations uh, that we all have to be very wary of uh, and adhere to? How, how's that affecting things? Uh, it's definitely affected things over the last sort of 12, 18 months since we transitioned into becoming professional cricketers and you know it's had its challenges at times but yeah, fingers crossed that we're sort of like coming out the other side of it now and things seem a little bit more relaxed in training and a little bit more more normal as such. So that's a good sign for us. And yeah, hopefully it continues to go that way um, over the winter and then leading into hopefully just a normal 2022 season. Well, the 2021 season was certainly not or hasn't been a normal one, um, but in, in many ways it's been a normal uh, an, um an unnormal one for for good reasons, not not COVID related, but in relation to the the success of the hundred uh, for the women's game. So let let's that's the main reason for inviting you both back on uh, to to chat today is to hear your own individual and collective 
views of what it was like to be involved in in that tournament. Uh, and I think for the benefit of the the listeners, I think I've I've gone on record as lots of people did, and it'd be interesting to hear your views as well on this. That you know, wasn't really sure what the hundred was going to um to do. Uh, I wasn't as as a fan, um, and as somebody involved in the game, uh, as I as I am, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen with the hundred. Uh, I was hoping it was going to uh, provide opportunities for for female cricketers to um to show their skills on the big stage, but I don't think. Uh, anyone could have predicted how um, how massively successful it was. So it would just be brilliant to hear your own recollections or uh, views of some of those kind of uh, feelings and emotions as you went out onto the pitch, um, and you know what it was looking back on it, um, you know from a couple of months ago. So uh, Gibbo, over to you first. Uh, what what was it like for you? What 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 will you take away and sort of um, remember? Uh, playing for the for the London Spirit in the hundred for the twenty twenty one season. Uh, well, I like, really enjoyed the tournament. It was amazing for um, what the women's game, and I didn't think it would go as well as it did. And it was so good that it did go that well. Um, and for me, just being able to have Lords as my home ground was amazing. I think that would be the highlight of the tournament. But yeah, as I said, it was so good for the women's game. Uh, was it was it like, you know? Um, being in a kid in a in a sweet shop, you know, walking out onto to Lords as your home ground and having to contain that sort of pinch yourself uh, feeling, when, you know, composing yourself before taking guard. Was it was it like that, or did you know once you crossed the line, were you, you know, in the zone, focusing um, ball by ball? Uh, for me, it, like the first couple of games, luckily we had some warm up games at Lords, so we like got to play there before we actually started the competition, so that helped a lot. Um, but personally, I'm just like, once I'm on game day, I'm not really like worrying about anything else. I just want to get this game like done and do what I need to do and get the team a win. Um, obviously, I wish we had a few more wins at Lords, but hopefully maybe next year. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody... Um... Yeah, you know, would echo that. Uh, yeah, what getting a few more wins would be would be helpful. But even so, I think um, to have had the uh, the experience of playing at Lords in front of those crowds, in front of the TV um, audience uh, with fireworks going and all that stuff must have been incredible. Yeah, I yeah, the crowds were amazing, and I like thrive off crowds. So for me, it was personally it was, I enjoyed it a lot. But now that my son and they struggled, but that's just like the women's game is evolving and. We need to get used to having more crowds and being under pressure more. Yeah, I think you you've hit the nail on the head there of a, a very interesting um, topic just unto itself. I think you know if you had a couple of warm up games um, at Lords, that would have helped some people. But I don't think anybody would have anticipated the uh, the volume of people coming through the gates. Um, and then obviously there's the added pressure of knowing you're going to be on telly, etc. And I don't, and it wasn't really planned either, was it, that the women would play on the same day as the men. Um, so there was there was all that to consider, uh, but what what about from your perspective then, uh, Luffy? I've moved from Luff to Luffy there. That's um, a, a bit bit of a a big a big step. Um, what what will you um, look back on favourably and uh, and remember uh, as your first experience of playing for the Welsh Fire? Yeah, well, I think the tournament as a whole just exceeded everyone's expectations, and um, yeah, I guess we didn't really know what to expect and. Um, I remember the first game we were actually up in um, in Leeds um, at Headingley, and you know we were we were going to lose with about you know twenty to fifteen balls to go. And I just remember we were in the field, and 
I just remember looking around and thinking, how good is this? You know, heading here was absolutely rocking. There must have been at least 10,000 people in. It was an atmosphere I'd never experienced before. I'd played in a couple KSL finals days, um, but nothing to that that level. Um, and yeah, it was just awesome. Um, it was just a great experience. Um, I didn't really feel that much under pressure as such. It was just like, right, take, take this moment in and soak it all up and just enjoy it. And I think that's the way that I... I tried to look at the rest of the tournament going forwards was that it was an unbelievable platform for us to just go and show what we can do. Um, I think the first game, that Manchester Originals, Oval Invincibles game, actually set set the, the standard. Um, you know, the standard of cricket we saw across the, the competition in the women's game was phenomenal. And and hopefully next year we can, we can back it up. And I think that's the most important thing that we do back that up next year um, and that it does become bigger and better. Um, over the next three, five years, um, however it develops. Yeah, very well said. I'll come back to you about um, what that might look like um, in terms of the you know the auction and and player selection and stuff. Uh, but I was at that game and uh, and I, I I was going to meet with uh, Gary Kirsten because um, as you know Gary was um, coach for, head coach for the for the men's uh, Welsh fire and so. Um, uh, I went. I walked up from the centre of town, and you know, the the, the women's game um, had started. But I wanted to get there, uh, just just to, to soak up the atmosphere, like you said. And what what um first of all, the standard of cricket absolutely um was uh was tremendous. But I think because it was still very early on in the in the tournament, um the excitement and the enjoyment of the players post game, despite the results, to go and see their family. Uh, to sign autographs, uh, to engage with uh, people in the crowd was very, very evident to what I saw because I was sat in the family bit. So a lot of the players came over from um, your opponents that day um, and they, they just loved the fact that um, the, you know there were so many people in. There was just beaming smiles and photographs being taken, selfies, all the rest of it. Um, and that just carried on for the... In fact, it grew, didn't it? Because you know crowds um, kept coming in more and more, I think, statistics were recorded i think they measured it based on how many people were in the ground um at sort of the interval between your in in the interval in your game um and and those numbers kept rising uh, so for someone like um, gibbo who thrives off crowds then it must have been uh, it must have been great to see more and more people come through uh, and kind of be on you know be on the stage as it were in that performer uh, performer role uh, but but yes i think it must have also been perhaps uh, for some for some players, um, quite a shock to the system. So um, for someone who thrives in it, if you had teammates Gibbo who weren't as confident and didn't didn't enjoy that as much, how how did you help um, as a te- you know a teammate who perhaps found it more of a a challenge? Um, I think you've just got to reassure them and just like maybe get do something the game to take their mind off it have a, have a little chat with them about anything and then um, normally the captain should, well, would do something or talk to them if they've got away or the coach um, but yeah just trying to keep their mind off it I guess would be the main thing I would do yeah so distraction technique yeah yeah you could be a, um, a p- p- sort of uh, maybe uh, going towards a performance psychologist type of um, role there a team psychologist give <laughs> <laughs> Um uh, and what I was what I was going to ask you, you know, did did you sort of as players when you're on the field, 
um, obviously focusing on the game, but were you aware of all the razzmatazz of the DJ, the um, the fireworks, all the crowd announcements, uh, so the you know the, the Tannoy announcements and all that stuff? How how were, aware were you, uh, you know, either of you in terms of being in a game, but all this noise going on? To be honest, um, I had a lot more um, important things to worry about. I was thinking about who's going to bowl the next five balls. Do I keep them on? Bowl them ten through. Um, the game just happened so fast, like time just went so quickly, it all just became a little bit of a blur, to be honest. Um, you know, I had to, um, you know, as captain, you have to give like an umpire's report at the end of the game. And I used to like get in there and they'd be like, oh, like, you know, any thoughts? And I'd be thinking, oh, what actually happened? Like, were there any decisions that I need to question? Because it, it was, it just was so fast paced. And um, I guess I was constantly thinking about what options I've got who's batting, you know, what's the best matchup, um, you know, very, very fitting words in, in terms of the World Cup that's just, just mm. been on now. Is It's all about matchups, and I think in the short format we'll see more and more of that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it just became a bit of a blur. Like I said, that first game at Headingley, though, um, you know, I, I sort of felt like we were going to lose, and that was a moment where I did sort of breathe and, and take it in. Um, but apart from that, it was, um, yeah, a bit hectic out there. From from a captain's point of view, be be you know I I um I think it would be great for people listening to this podcast just to understand the differences or the things that you learned along the way in the moment. Uh, have you had an opportunity to reflect on that since the tournament, um, Sophie, and and sort of th- consider how things might you might approach it if you're captain next season. Um, I think for me, particularly coming back into captaining at Western Storm, um, it was just trusting my gut and my in- instincts a little bit more. I'm someone that probably naturally overthinks, and we've got a lot of bowling options in the sides that I play in, and, and sometimes you know too many options. You know, I'm thinking about you know is that the right option? Do I get a spin on C? You know, I've got a lot of questions going around in my head. Whereas in the hundred, I almost felt a little bit more relaxed in terms of right, no, I need to get my leg spinner on now and this is what's happening and, you know, um, I just chucked the ball um, there and then. There wasn't like a, you know, you've got two overs grace here to get yourself warm and then you're on. It's like, no, I need you to bowl five balls now um, and that could have been dependent on what happened the last four of the, the last set of ten. You know, it was just a gut feel thing and that's something that I'll probably look to, to take forward into my captaincy and, you know, just try and, try and trust that and I think the more that you do it the more experience I build um, in that leadership role um, the more natural it will become and yeah I guess we've got a lot of um, you know performance analysis that we've got access to these days um, and the more that we're playing as females within the game there's more footage to look at um, so that's where your matchups come in and, and you know what bowling options you, you want to use to certain batters um, to hopefully first and foremost get them out or, or at least um, slow their scoring rates. Yeah, I th- I, well, I mean that's brilliant to hear. Thank you. Um, uh, th- I think it's a very interesting debate the role of the analyst, and uh, you know, depending on who you speak to, um, I think in the game or sort of on the periphery of the game, uh, there's a difference of opinion as to whether their um, their role that's definitely adding value um, is is taking over uh, and almost replacing that kind of instinctive gut feel that you talked about um, so passionately. Um, or, or whether it just complements that kind of instinctive decision making, um, but I won't I won't call you in to uh, to draw draw an opinion on on that one. I think that's just for maybe in, for another for another time. Uh, but but I agree with you entirely. I think the 
the time the time element the fast paced nature of the game was one of the great things i think that came out of it so especially um i think I remember peter's kevin peterson talking about the fact that you know you you got penalized didn't you if you if you weren't up with this with the time um kpi um then you were penalized by uh, having to um not you weren't allowed to have a fielder outside the circle um and and that definitely hurt teams in the 100 who didn't stick to the time um uh, whereas that's not the case in in T20 at the moment so did did that happen with um did that happen with the uh, the London Spirit at all Gibbo? uh no we were pretty good on time i think the women were pretty good on time i think it was the men that struggled yeah. <laughs> to keep to the time yeah 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 <laughs> i don't think we had any in the women's teams that we maybe had one that's further out yeah, but it, but I, but I imagine I would imagine as players, especially as captains, you'd be very conscious of that, uh, because you know it 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 is it is a, a, a significant penalty. Um, what what about um, from your own personal perspectives then? Um, you know, batting for example, Gibbo. I remember seeing you hit um, you know, a couple of boundaries in a in a game early in the tournament at Lords. What what did that feel like? Um, it wasn't a losing think... cause, by the way, but. <laughs> Again, was that a pinch me moment a little bit as to you know, I, you know here I am um, playing in the hundred with uh, with Dotton at the other end. Um, you know, could you imagine that that was going to be uh, you know happening a couple of years ago? Uh, definitely not a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's just it's just great opportunity for girls to come up through these through their age groups and then look at the look at role models and see what you can do and what you can be. Um, so I think it's just great, a great platform to start with last year. Yeah, and that that brings us on to maybe a last question because I'm very conscious of your time. You're going to have to get back into your strength and conditioning, yo-yoing, and all that stuff. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so what what is what is your understanding of what will happen next year? Will you, will the squad stay the same? Will it go into an auction? What what's your understanding? Yeah, so my understanding at the moment. There's, there's going to be a retention period where teams can retain certain players. I'm not sure if that's going to be a, a capped number per team. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a retention period. And then I think it'll go to an open market um, in January. Um, but yeah, at the minute, I don't think the women's game's in a position to draft players like it is in, in the men's game. I, you know, I really hope that that is the case in, in two, three years' time. Um, but yeah. Looking forward to seeing if there's a little bit of movement around the teams and uh, who ends up where. That'll be fascinating, won't it? Because you, you two could, you know, having played for different uh, teams, could end up on the same team or, or at different teams again. Um, so, but it'd be, it'd be nice bearing in mind your teammates for Western Storm to be on the same team in the hundred. Um, I'm not sure I can deal with Gibbo all year round. The hundred was a nice break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, honesty is the best policy, so you know where you stand there, Gibbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Good banter, good banter. So um, thank you both very much, guys, for coming back. Uh, and I think what, what this has done, hopefully, for, for when we release this, hopefully listeners will just have enough of their appetite whetted uh, to wanting to find out more. Um, so um, let's wish you all the very best for your, uh, for your off-season. Um, keep fit, stay safe, uh, enjoy each other's company, um, you know, as, as teammates whilst it lasts. Um, and, uh, and then look forward to next summer and, and hopefully uh, building on what was such a massive success in, in, in 2021 for the inaugural 100. Um, so thank you ever so much for making time. Um, enjoy your uh, the rest of your day training and um, speak soon. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening, everybody. As a reminder, each Cricket Coach 365 podcast will be released every Friday at 6pm on Spotify and Apple Play. After listening, please leave us a positive review on Spotify and share it with your friends and contacts. You can also follow us on Instagram at cricket underscore coach 365. Have a great day.